special sci-fi weekend special. I'm Brendan. I'm Spindles. I'm Aidy. And I'm Megan. <laughs> and I'm Sophie. <laughs> Let me join in. Yeah. Thank you very much for taking the time to do it for the Sophie. It's very good of you. That's fine. I've just finished my porridge so it seemed like the only natural thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've got a couple of questions. Um, I think each was about Doctor Who. Yeah. Primarily. Because I think for me that era of Doctor Who was where I first got into it. So oh, that doesn't make me feel old at all. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah it, it, it was. Well, I'm, I'm very much the same with, uh, with Brendan. That was that was both of our. I'm a little bit older, so it, it was. Uh, well, not You're not. I'm older than you, yeah, Simon. But, but, but I started watching it earlier. I think I, I was Peter Davis in the era, so right. that's where I started. Right. Your first episode was Dragonfire. Mm. But when you were approached for that episode, did you realise you becoming the companion by the end of it? Well. I was approached for actually not for that episode. They were actually cross-casting that whole season because John Nathan Turner, the producer, realised that uh, Bonnie was might be leaving in the next series. So he was looking, he was looking for somebody potentially to take over as the companion. And if you if you look, there are some strong young female characters in all of the those um, episodes. So in Paradise Towers you've got the Kangs, the, I think R Red Kangs, Red yeah. And then in um, in uh, Delta and the Bannermen you've got Ray and and then of course in Dragonfire you've got Ace. So when I went up for it initially it was for a character called Ray and um, but the the script that I was given to read was Ace's character, Ace's speech from Dragonfire about when she looks up through the gaps in the clouds and wonder who, who her mum really was or whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, uh, but it had Ace scrubbed out and Ray written on it. So um, as far as I knew, they were looking for somebody who looked younger than they really were, um, who had a bit of experience and who could ride a motorbike. And, uh, and I could ride a motorbike, yeah, so that awesome. was lucky. Yeah. So my, my yeah. agent sent in a, um, my photo and on the back she wrote has own leathers <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm convinced that that's what got me the part um, like you'll have to ask Sylvester uh, later about um, his hat and how hit that got him the part but for me it was definitely my leathers got me the part anyway so I was I just I'd never even been in a TV studio before I'd never done any telly um, so I as far as I knew I was up for this part of Ray for three episodes and then um, I got a recall went to meet John Nathan Turner and um, I was literally in his office for 10 minutes so I thought oh well there's no way I've got that and then to my great surprise found out that I had um, and uh, but it wasn't until oh that's right yeah and my agent said to me then they're thinking that they might use you as the new Doctor Who assistant um, if Bonnie Langford leaves and so I mean I can you can you imagine you know I'd never even been in front of a TV camera and suddenly I'm being given this amazing opportunity so well, did you watch the show before oh yeah, yeah of course yeah. we all did didn't we I mean you know it was, so. it, yeah it was it, it wasn't like it is now no. it, I have to say it, it was 
slightly a bit of a joke. So when my friends found out that I'd got... I was living in um, an almost a squat in Lewisham at the time I got the part. And my friends who were living with me, actually they were all Cambridge graduates, funnily enough. But they, they all thought it was very funny. Uh, and they said, oh, Doctor Who, that's so funny. You know, so everybody just, it was still around. It was still known, of course, but it wasn't like it is now, you know, and cool. So, um, yeah, when I started rehearsals, um, I kind of knew in the back of my mind, nobody else knew I was sort of sworn to secrecy because Bonnie hadn't made her decision by then. And then gradually throughout the course of the rehearsals and, and at the first day of recording, uh, um, Bonnie had actually, Bonnie and John had had this mutual decision that she was going to leave. And it was quite funny because Tony Selby, who played Glitz in Dragonfire, uh, th we all got on really well, we had such a laugh. And uh, he kept saying, you know, he said, oh, don't you think Ace would be a brilliant companion? Don't, oh, Sophie, you'd be just such a great Doctor Who assistant. Don't you think, everybody? Don't you? So, of course, when it actually came to them offering me the assistant, he said, hey, you are, you see? He just thought it was his, it was his all doing. his idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we went along with that. <laughs> cool. Uh, now, I mean, you're, you had a, a kind of, later on, a longer-running plot line, which was kind of all, all the, the stuff where Ace was dealing with stuff from her past and so forth, and, and that was looked like it was progressing towards setting Ace being up to become a Time Lord. That, what, what did you think of that as a, as a plot line? How did you think that was going to progress? Oh, I loved that idea. Mm. I thought that was brilliant. I liked, for example, the fact that after Dragonfire, everybody went, blew herself up in a time storm, you know, well, well that's, that's likely. And then of course in Curse of Fenric then you find out why and the whole thing about Fenric and the, the manipulation of Ace and everything like that. So it would have been, and, and you know, it, it gave a great reason for Sylvester's doctor to be teaching her. I mean he was, he decided quite early on, Sylvester, that he was going to be a doctor who was a mentor so yeah. mm. he said how about how about we have it so that the doctor is is taking ace around the universe and and showing her her deepest fears and teaching her about the universe and all this and everyone went wow yeah that's a great idea and he went because it, <laughs> it actually was a very cunning plan because it got him out of saying all the gobbledygook so instead of saying um, Ace, this is a. Fire He'd say, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. He'd say, Ace, what's this? And I'd have to say, Oh, it's is it a. Da -da 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 -da? So it was just a cunning ploy, really. But you know, I, I loved the whole idea. I loved the idea. I mean, that Ace, for example, had a. I mean, had a backstory and a and a front story and a everything story. You know, um, so yeah, it would have been great fun to do that. Yeah, she's she's very very different to all the companions that came before her. Well, I mean there were a couple of stronger characters. I mean, was was that something you wanted Ace to be from the outset? Could you see yourself being like any of the other companions? Well, I was a bit confused, I must say, when I first got the part because I remembered Doctor Who assistants as these sort of rather hopeless screaming females who yeah. wore high heels in quarries. I mean, what's Indeed. that all about? <laughs> so that was one of the first things I decided. I was going to wear Doc Martens because then you won't twist your ankle. Although, in Remembrance of the Daleks, hey, guess what? Ace <laughs> yeah. twists her ankle, you know. Um, 
And also another thing they used to do was hold hands when they were running. And I must admit, I was a bit guilty of that at times. But, you know, bad idea if you're running away from a monster to hold hands with somebody. It just slows you down. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I thought, well, that's weird because why am I being cast as one of these women, these women who screams and wears high heels? Because, I mean, I was definitely a tomboy who played a lot of football. And when I was about seven or eight, my parents bought me a dress, forced me into a dress for the first time to go out somewhere. And uh, I was extremely naughty. And I went into the bathroom and they were waiting to go. You know, I could hear the car going. And I got the nail scissors out of the bathroom cabinet and I cut a big hole in my dress so I didn't have to wear it. I mean, that's the kind of, you know, how much I hated <laughs> being a girly girl. So, uh, <coughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah. Much better way it. Yeah. <laughs> or hits it with a baseball bat. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> we like. We'll be getting the, the wrap up soon. Oh, okay. Like, we're going to have to cut this one. Oh, we've only just got that. settled I'm, in. I'm, 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 Oh yeah, okay, so um, let's think. Well, there's Trifu Tom, of course. Yes. Uh, so he would be here, he'd be going... Um, um, Come on, everybody, join in. Let's do some Trifu. Put your hands in the air, pick up a can of Nitro 9, and throw it at a Dalek. Trifu, go! <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> uh, they should put that in Doctor Who. <laughs> Yeah, I've never done a Doctor Who Tree Food Tom mashup before. <laughs> Quite a good idea. There we go, yeah. an exclusive. <laughs> oh, and then I, then I do Flopsy and Mopsy for for um for Peter Rabbit as well on BBC. And actually, Flopsy's quite tough like that. She's and and Flopsy's sort of the 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 one who's always complaining about everything. And Mopsy's a little bit yes, okay. Mm. But they're twins, so they sound a bit similar. Thank goodness. <laughs> And then Mrs. Rabbit sounds remarkably like this. Because she's... That's me, really. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jess. Thanks. second part of our Sci-Fi Weekend special podcast. My name's Brendan. I'm Spindles. I'm Amy. I'm Emma. I'm Megan. And I'm Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. It's the end of a very, very long day for you, so no we problem. really pleasure. appreciate it. Uh, how have you found the day? Has it been very hectic compared to normal cons? No, not really. I mean, it's just my normal cons are very hectic. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's all pretty much of a muchness. Yeah, no, it's been great, really. It's quite an interesting and fascinating place to do it. Here. It is kind of locked away in the wilds of Wales. Yeah, the the wild west of Wales. Um, Did you come over the frozen wastes to get to beyond Mordor? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I got some rabbits and they pulled me along. <laughs> nice. We nearly hit a few on the way over here. We did, yeah. I, I think yeah, my friend. Yeah. I nearly caught they're, a couple. They're so. hanging around to take me home tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're missing a couple in the morning, that's probably my fault, so I'll apologise. <laughs> um, so just in, in terms of your, your appearances on Doctor Who, 
your doctor we were talking to Sophie about earlier, he was a, a much darker character and he was much more of a mentor to Ace than, than any other doctors had really been to their companions. Was that some? Were you involved in the kind of scripting of that, or? Yes, I wasn't actually involved in the scripting, but in the direction of it. You know, kind of requesting that the Doctor became much more mysterious, and um, you know, you, uh, the, I wanted the audience to become uncertain about him again. I wanted to bring all that mystery back that the first Doctor had, and I thought, from my little research, um, the other Doctors had lost over the years too much have been told about them. And so that was the, the the idea, and I also wanted my companion to be, you know, much more equal, you know, kind of um, female companion. I was because I was a, a you know, strong feminist and think that that you know should be brought on. So that was yeah, it was my. But Andrew Cartmel and I kind of like thought the same thing in a way. You know, it was, it was quite interesting. It was great because he was the cast, not he was the uh, script editor, and you know. I go to him and say, I think this, and he said, God, I think the same, and we must, and we did do it, make it change. I also, out of total ignorance, because I hadn't seen Doctor for years, because there was no means of recording in those days, and I was working all the time as an actor, and I lost touch with it, and so I came at it from ignorance, and I had no idea that I dramatically changed it, but it wasn't until the 50th anniversary that... Uh, um, What's his name? The producer, um, the present producer, Moffitt Stephen. Stephen Moffitt said to me, um, he said, he took me aside and said, um, my son is a huge fan of yours, <laughs> which is lovely. And then he said, um, you changed it. You changed it from what it was into a totally new thing. At the time, I thought people were not that uh, big a fan of it all. But then I learned later that now they are, from, you know, he said all the other doctors have come out of that change, whatever gear change I'd given to it. Mm. And my gear change was just total ignorance because I didn't know there was any other gear. <laughs> you mentioned about the, the 50th anniversary there, and of course you did the, the absolutely fabulous uh, five, the Five-ish Doctors reboot. Yes. Uh, how, how did that kind of come about? Well, I mean, uh, over the, the years, just building up to the 50th anniversary, uh, all of us going around the world, the doctors, uh, especially, you know, Peter, Colin, Paul, myself, were always being asked, uh, you know, are you going to be in the 50th anniversary? And we all thought we were, because it just seems odd that we wouldn't be, really. But then when the 50th year arrived, we suddenly realised we were not going to be in it. So Peter said let's make a film, let's do our own, let's try and break in. We'll do a film about breaking in and trying to get into the 50th anniversary. <coughs> and that's what we did. And it was Peter, you know, Davidson's brilliant idea. And he, he, he wrote it, directed it, produced it. And he and his daughter, um, Georgia. And uh, it was just wonderful. It was a privilege to be in it, really. It was so good. I mean, and that normally, you know, it was just Peter's thing. He did such a wonderful job. Mm. Um, such lovely humour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yes it was. And of course um, we had a cast list to die for. It was, a, it was yes, outstanding. Yeah. I mean, to get Peter Jackson in there as well. <laughs> and Ian McKellen. Brilliant. How many people have said to me since, oh, would you do another one? And I said, well, yeah, if you can, if you can send me 20 million, we'll get Ian McKellen for that. 
Because <laughs> everyone did it for nothing. We didn't get a penny. Mm. It was just done for, you know, just for the laugh, for the fun, for the crack, and for mm. the fans. That's yeah. the reason why it was done. And to stick it to them for not putting you in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, technically speaking, you are one of the longest-serving Doctors because there was the time break in between the TV show finishing and the the movie being filmed. Did you think you would have quite as much of a part in the film as as you did? Oh, that yeah, that film, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> just that little one. <laughs> well, yeah, that technical side. Just uh, that, we'll go back to that. Really, I always thought it on. I thought, well, you know, I only did, you know, th I did three years uh, of the Doctor Who and the telly and they were all 15 episodes a year so in fact I'm quite uh, my lifetime actually being the Doctor on television is very small it's very young it was, it was a technical passage of real time yes I know that, and that's weird but then I suddenly thought wait a minute I never stopped playing the Doctor because after um, it came off the air we started doing pirated versions of Doctor Who herself mm. and just carried on doing it. Mm. Sophie and I being uh, the Doctor and Ace under different names. And then Big Finish kind of grew out of that. And then we came back into being the Doctor. So I've never stopped. So maybe, yeah, I've been the longest serving Doctor in that, those terms. Mm. When it came to the film, I remember thinking um, I was going to do regeneration no matter what because Colin hadn't done the re regeneration with me. And I thought, I'll do it, definitely, what happened. And uh, so I thought maybe they might do the regeneration with me under the opening titles or something. And then they sent me a script, and it was quite a long bit. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll do that. So I signed a contract, and then sent me another script, and they cut it down. <laughs> Bastards. That's fine. You can Blackguards is what I'm saying. Blackguards. <laughs> Damn fools. Damn fools. <laughs> anyway. But no, I, uh, I, I yeah all right it was quite fun it was good it was interesting it was you know adventurous really it was outside the bbc and it was in america canada and you know it was good yeah it was a very different take on doctor who that i don't think quite achieved what they wanted because they, they really wanted to kind of pull in the american market and i don't think it kind of achieved that for them because i think it, it kind of lost the quintessential britishness that is doctor who yes i mean the american market before was kind of a cult uh, underground of small public broadcasting stations dotted across the states it, and it wasn't ever a big nationwide you know kind of viewing audience it wasn't that but um it, it, it didn't do well with women that was why they didn't carry on with it which is odd because paul McGann, McGann, yeah you know, that's what you know it was really odd that they, they um, or it didn't attract them anyway, but maybe if it had been a bit longer and more repeated it, but this America. Yeah, Andrew Cartmel said something, he said he thought that because it was too Americanized, then that they would want the British thing. But anyway, uh, it was a shame. But it did incredibly well over here. Mm. It was very popular. Yeah, very much so. Now, you were talking there about the big Finnish audios. I mean, are, are there any storylines that you feel that you've yet to tell there that you that you really want to tell? No, I seem to have because done quite a lot really. So how how many of those have you done now? Sixty, fifty, sixty, or so. Yeah. something quite a lot. I was in at the beginning, and probably all were really as well. But I mean, I, we were in before, you know, as I say, the pirated versions. Um, 
I, I mean, no, I was very pleased in a way to fill in the gap that builds up to the Canadian film, mm. the American film thing. You know, that I quite like the solitude. Some of the stories where the doctor's by himself. Mm. I quite enjoy those. I like doing the big Finnish audios because the audio helps you get inside the doctor's head. Mm. Whereas on television you have to express, you know, you've got to see visual. You've got to frame whereas, it. And, yeah, yeah, it's got to be visual and external. Whereas in the, on the audio it's internal. I enjoy that. So they referenced quite a few of the big Finnish productions in the 50th, didn't they? Which kind of yeah, I think they referenced some of the companions that have existed only in the big Finnish audio. Yeah. So I think there was there was a, a big thing that uh, it's like, oh, they've made all the big Finnish stuff can uh, canon now, so that's all part of the proper story. So I, I don't know whether they have or not officially made it part of the big story. I don't know, really. I have no idea. I think they have. I think they've accepted it now as yeah. being, you know, it's mm. uh, accepted as a BBC mm. um, thing. Yeah. Um, just uh, in, in terms of attending conventions like this, you, you you have the most kind of unique presence in a Q and A that I think I've ever seen. The way that, that the way that you approach these kind of Q and A sessions, I think, is brilliant. Is, is that something that you just decided from the off you wanted to do, just get in amongst the crowd and speak to them? Well, in a way, yes. Um, I, I I don't know. Yes, I think it was earlier. I said someone else, but. I got the job of Doctor Who on a Monday, and on the Thursday they flew me to Atlanta, Georgia for a convention. I had no idea what a convention was. My only knowledge of convention was Lon and Hardy's Sons of the Desert, where they, you know, where they wore fezes, and bizarrely, the circle has come round, because now everyone's wearing fezes. It's now turned into Sons of the Desert. But um, So, uh, I remember there, I, um, I because of... What I'd done in the Ken Campbell Roadshow and the very physical and kind of uh, also very much in the audience, using the audience, tickling the audience, being aware, you know, kind of discombobulating the audience, taking them out of the theatre and exploding a bomb in my chest and bringing them back and blowing fire, you know, all that. Because of all that, when I started at that first convention, I actually pretended to fall off the stage and then I got someone to try and help me back up onto the stage and in the way of doing that they ended up on the stage and I ended up down there and it was one of those kind of things and th that's when John Nathan Turner said to me you've taken to this like a duck to water this kind of thing and, and then I started to get these same questions and I thought this is like stand-up comedy where you have to stand up and tell the same gags every night mm. twice on Saturdays mm. and that became exciting to try and make that fresh every time mm. I also watched um Oprah Winfrey in her early shows where she would go out into the audience and chat to them and um, <clears throat> I thought oh that's a good idea I think I'll do that because I really do and I do, in America it's much um, more um, extreme because there you know the, the stars are so protected against the fans they kept away from them mm. and we British uh, guys we would get up and walk around you know, go to the dealer's room or wander around, and they'd freak out, the Americans. You know, go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's you. And, you know, they follow you around, and they just couldn't believe. Because with American, you know, Star Trek guys and all those, they would have bodyguards. They would not go near the, the, the audience. They wouldn't touch them. Whereas we Brits are more, you know, easier with that. So that was joyful to, 
bring that into the Q&A by going down in amongst them and they were oh, and you could see the excitement and you thought this is great all of them just come down and I'm, they, they're having a ball <laughs> and it's you know it made me very happy to make them happy mm. yeah and so that's why I just keep doing it really if I well I've got the energy mm. there's quite a few people now that are disguising themselves in uh, cosplay outfits and going down onto the floor but you've heard that now so the, the big American stars now they're basically dressing up in like Spider-Man costumes so it's covering their face and then they're going out into the conventions oh really yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's now become a thing in America yeah. I think it was Elijah Wood did it yeah. um, Daniel Radcliffe did it <laughs> oh right yeah so that, that's their way of getting out onto the convention floor is to wear something that involves a mask <laughs> yes that's a good idea I remember thinking I was thinking about Madonna I thought she should get a burqa and then she'd be able to wander around you know London mm. you know if you could just dress up in a lady in a burqa you could just go anywhere really you could be so famous Absolutely. maybe the Queen does that she goes shopping I'm sure in Lidl, she goes to Lidl, her local Lidl, you know, ah, I, think I thought I saw her in Waitrose, but no, obviously she's slumming yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Queen does come from Slough and all, doesn't she? Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. You guys got any more? Oh, it's almost about the five films. Yeah, of course. So on No vs. World, we're compiling a list of films everyone must see before they die. It's not the greatest films, but it's just five films that you think have made an impact on you and you think other people need to see. Uh, the, the Lady Killers. Oh, classic! That's yeah. Superb. Yeah. Um, uh, Sajat Rai's *The World of Apu*. He's an Indian director. It was his first film. He's one of the great, you know, world directors. He's no longer with us. Um, Kurosawa. Oh, which one? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm going to go for uh, *Ran*. Mm -hmm. King Lear. Mm. I love that. Well, I mean, I would go for all of them, really. I said, yeah. Throne of Blood is my personal yeah. one. I love that film. And, um, I didn't know that uh, Samurai had um, inspired Blake Seven. Did it really? Yeah. No, I didn't Seven. Yeah. Blake Seven. Yeah, of course. Oh, and it's inspired, it was inspired by... by um, Kurosawa. Uh, what else now? That's, how many have I got? That's three. three. Two, two more. Singing in the rain. Mm, wonderful. Because I remember seeing that, and I come from, from I come from Dunoon, which is a very rainy place. And I came out afterwards, and I danced in the puddles and sang and danced and thought I was uh, free to do this because I've all been told not to stay out the puddles, stop jumping in the puddles. And there was I, singing and dancing in the rain. I met um, uh, Gene Kelly. He came to the roundhouse once when I was working in the box office. This little man, he was a square little man with the most amazing smile. And then when I was touring with King Lear, his wife, his widow, came and invited us all to his house for a party. So it's yeah. another reason. Uh, so how many have I got? Last Four, one, sir. One more. Somewhere over the rainbow, far, far away. Wisdom Oz. Wisdom yeah. Very good Very choice. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Classic. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, sir. And I, I realise it's very, very late, so thank you for taking the time. Sir. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for being a guest on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank um, you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time, I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. I've been Aidy. I've been Emma. I've been Megan. And I've been Sylvester McCoy and still am. <laughs> Take care and be excellent to each other, people. 